All right. Well, I've got everybody's, uh, everybody should have their paperwork. The last page we won't actually be using tonight. Uh, this all involves homework, so, which is exciting. Um, but the, uh, the first lesson in this, in this short series is called The Burning Heart of Scripture. And that name is pulled from the road to Emmaus. The, uh, the two disciples down the road to, to Emmaus, they, when they were talking about what Jesus had said, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? And so the, the goal is to, is to pursue understanding how we can see scriptures the way that Jesus taught the scriptures. Um, if y'all don't mind, I'm going to have a little bit of interaction tonight. Um, but if, uh, Sam, if you don't mind, if you'll turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 7 and read that for us. Uh, Brother Ricky, if you'll be looking in Luke chapter number 24 and verse number 16. And Dad, if you will look in Luke 24, 44 through 49. So we're going to look at these three different texts specifically and see exactly how Jesus looked at the Scriptures and how Jesus taught his disciples to look at the scriptures. So same if you don't mind reading 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 7. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. So we understand that Peter was talking to a the majority was a of his audience was a Jewish group of people. He mentions that Christ was the stone of offense, the stone of stumbling, but that he in the scheme of things was the cornerstone. But Peter makes a statement there in that verse of scripture. He says that Jesus is precious. And when we come to scriptures, when we come to gathering when we come to the gospel, whatever realm of Christianity we're coming in, we need to keep in mind and keep that close to our heart that Jesus is precious. That's why we do what we do, because Jesus is precious. There was a, a sermon that Charles Spurgeon preached on this, this section of Scripture in First Peter. And when he preached it, he told a story, gave an illustration about a conversation that he had had with a younger preacher. Um, that younger preacher had preached a text of Scripture, but he had left out Christ in that text of Scripture. Which is something that a lot of preachers in our day do. They come to a text of Scripture and they leave out Christ. The, the one whom they call their name by, they call, we call ourselves Christians, but we leave out Christ in our lives and we call ourselves Christian preachers and we leave out Christ in our sermons. So we've, we've done away with the purpose and the person 
of who we are. And what Charles Spurgeon's instruction in that younger preacher was, he used an analogy to help him understand. Them living in Europe, living in England specifically, all of the roads of the towns in England, they all go to London. Every road in England heads toward London. So if you go on a road from a town, odds are you can get your way, you can, you can figure out your way to get to London. And what he told that young preacher is that when you come to Scripture, all of Scripture leads to Christ. Every Scripture you come to, while it may not be apparent right away, every Scripture is leading you to the same person. And that was his call for that young preacher, that when he came to Scriptures, when he got up to speak about Scriptures, that those Scriptures would point back to Christ. And he needed to make it his goal not only to find his way to Christ in the Scriptures, but to point other people to Christ from those same Scriptures. And if that's not what we're here to if that's not what we're here to do, if that's not what our lives are to do is to point people to Christ, then we've got our priorities confused. We should be pointing people to Christ. So the three things that we'll look at covering tonight, and they're all listed in, in the, uh, the handouts. Number one, what does it mean to journey with Jesus through the Bible? And again, this goes back to the road to Emmaus. That's what Jesus did. As they were journeying down the road, they journeyed through the Scriptures. Secondly, does all of the Bible really talk about Jesus? And thirdly, we'll look at why it's important to learn to journey through the Bible with Jesus. So, Brother Ricky, if you don't mind reading for us, Luke 24, 16 through 27. Okay. Uh, but their eyes were holding that they should not know thee. And he said to them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and sat? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and worked before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they also had seen a vision of the angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre, and found it even so as the women had said. But him they saw not. Then he said to them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And if you'll read Luke 24, 44-49. And he said unto them, There are the words which I spoke unto you, while I was with you, 
that all the things might be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in, in, in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, raise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my I send the promise of my Father unto you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until the till ye be endued with power from on high. So the promise that Jesus gave was that they were going to be endued with power. That power was the Holy Spirit. And we understand from Scripture that the Holy Spirit's job in our life is to illuminate the Scriptures to us. But we see how that illumination takes place in these two accounts. We have an account where Jesus is on the road with two disciples. And then there's another account where he is in the room with his disciples. And in both of these accounts, Jesus does the same thing. On the road to Emmaus, he said, it says that he preached unto them the scriptures. When he's in the room with the disciples, he says that he opened unto them the scriptures. So if Jesus is instructing people in the scriptures, then like the scripture said, it would behoove us to know what he's talking about. He said that he opened from the scriptures, and there's three places that I have written down here where it talks about him writing. The first place that he opened to them was the law or the Torah. That's Genesis through Deuteronomy. It's the first five books of the Bible. The law of Moses is what they would have called it. And that's, he said that he opened to them the law. It says that he opened to them the prophets which is Joshua through 2 Kings, the former prophets, and the latter prophets was Isaiah through Malachi. So it's, it's all based around the kingdom, which we'll get into in another chapter. But it's all based around the kingdom, the former and the latter. And it says that he opened them the Psalms. The way that the Jewish people looked at the Psalms was it was the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the, basically the writings of David. Was the Psalms. So if Christ is sitting down with his disciples after his resurrection. And he's telling them I want you to preach about me. He says preach why. Basically what the scriptures will say is preach why I came and what I'm doing for people. He said when you leave here I want you to preach repentance and remission of sins. In the book of Acts, they left and they preached repentance and faith. In the book of Mark, when Christ started his ministry, he was preaching repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we preach from Scripture. And if what he told them to do was to preach that from Scripture, and he preached that from Scripture, mm -hmm. 
from the entirety of the Bible, from the first five books to the prophets to the Psalms. And all of the New Testament is about him. Then it makes sense if we're going to look at the Bible, we need to be looking for him. If we're going to teach the scriptures, it needs to be from the scriptures and it needs to be about Christ. There are a few different different things that we see here. But Luke 24 is the hinge between Jesus' ministry, literally his presence on earth, and the Spirit's ministry and presence on earth. Luke 24 is where Jesus says this is what's getting ready to happen. It's, it's the hinge on the door of the church is literally what it is. He says the Spirit's going to come and he's going to endue you with power. And the hinge of that, the hinge of Christ's presence in the church through the Spirit is going to be found in the Scriptures. And I think at least what I have had a habit of doing is when the Bible talks about the Scriptures, I always, my mind thinks about the New Testament. But when Christ, Paul, Peter, any of these men were talking, they were talking about the Old Testament too. They didn't have a New Testament at that point in time. For them, Christ was the New Testament. Christ was the Word. But they were understanding that the Word that they already had was written about the Word who was in their presence. And the Spirit was going to come and give them power to teach about the Word who was in their presence from the Word that they already had. It was all about Christ. The Old Testament specifically speaks in two different ways. And this can be found in 1 Peter 1 and verse number 11. In 1 Peter 1 and verse number 11, it says that the Old Testament tells us about the sufferings and the glory of Christ. Lindsay, if you don't mind reading that real quick. 1 Peter 1 and verse number 11. I can come help you find it if you need it. Verse number 11. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. What Peter's, he's instructing the church. And Peter's calling attention back to what Jesus had said. He said, the Spirit is going to teach you about the Scriptures. The Spirit's going to illuminate the Scriptures. Even Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, He will point people to Me. The Spirit does that by a working in our hearts, but He also does that by illuminating the Scriptures. If we don't have the Spirit in us, Paul says that the spiritual man can understand the things of God, but the natural man cannot because they're spiritually discerned. We have to have the Spirit enduing us with power to understand the Scriptures and to be able to proclaim the Scriptures. But Peter says specifically that the Old Testament references the suffering and the glory of Christ. 
So if we're looking through the Old Testament, we should be seeing those two aspects. We should be seeing the suffering and the glory of Christ. In order for this to happen, what we read in Luke 24 is the Spirit has to open our minds and our hearts. And that's one thing that that we can't get lost in. We're not just coming to the Scriptures for facts. We're not just trying to figure out how so-and-so's dad was related to so-and-so's cousin or how which Herod the Bible was talking about in Matthew and which Herod he was talking about in Mark. And while those things aren't wrong and they're not bad, that's not the intent of Scripture. We have to have the facts of Scripture. But the Bible says when Jesus spoke to them, their minds and their hearts were opened. So we have, to, we, have, we have to have the Spirit opening our minds so we can read the facts of Scripture. But He has to open our hearts so that we can see and understand the meanings in Scripture. I know everybody here has probably had that time, just as I have, where you're reading the Scripture that you've read and that you know. You've read it before and you know it. You may even have memorized it, but you begin to understand it in the light that God is trying to convey to his people. It's like you, there's, there's verses that I've read over a hundred times. And then one day I was reading it, which is like a light bulb went off. And that's what the spirit does in our heart. He's opening our minds, understand our minds, read those things, but he's opening our heart to understand. And that's what changes us. When the spirit opens our heart, that's where we start to see those changes happen in us. And it's not just the facts of Scripture that are going to make those changes. It's not just understanding, even in the New Testament, it's not just one, one of the, the quote-unquote homework questions is about David and Goliath. It's not just understanding that David got five smooth stones and killed a giant. But understanding what that means in light of Christ is what begins to change us. When we see Paul talk about well, you need to act this way and you need to act that way. Those facts are great and those facts are good, but when that applies to our hearts is when we see who we are in Christ. And I know that that means a lot to us because that's what we've been going through. We've been seeing how we are in Christ and why that applies to things in our life. That's the Spirit opening our hearts to see those things more than just the facts themselves. So that's what it means to walk through scriptures with Christ. What Christ did with the disciples on the road to Emmaus and in the room, in the upper room, was he led them through the scriptures. And what we have is not only his words, but we have an entire New Testament that helps us through those Old Testament scriptures. We have before us the entire map of the Bible. Everything that God wanted said is there. Hebrews tells us that God spoke in many ways in many times, but now he speaks through his son. We have the scriptures that speak of Christ and we have the entirety of those scriptures. So if we understand what it means to journey through the scripture with Christ, next we want to look at if all the scriptures really are about Christ. Does the Bible really 
talk about Christ throughout the whole thing. And I know some of this is, is kind of introductory and some of it's kind of elementary, but one of the things when we come to scriptures and we have trouble seeing Christ somewhere, the problem's not with the scripture, the problem's with us. We're not looking at it correctly. Throughout the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, whichever way we look at it, we can see Jesus in scriptures throughout the whole narrative, throughout the whole story of scripture, we can see him in three different ways. We either see Christ patterned, promised, or present. So when we're reading through the Old Testament or reading through the New Testament, whatever it may be, in any of those places, in any of those narratives, and there are people, and I've heard it myself, and I've maybe even made the statement myself, where we may say that Jesus is on in every verse. And that's not necessarily the case, but he is in every narrative. He may, he may not be specifically in a verse in Judges that said Eglon was a very fat man. It's going to be hard to find Christ in that verse specifically, but Christ is in that story. In that narrative, we see him patterned. In other places in the book of Genesis or with Abraham, we see specifics where he's promised. And if we refer reading Genesis and, and God says that there will be a seed that will crush the serpent's head. When we look at things the way that Christ taught his disciples to look at things, the way that he has taught us to look at things, we will see him promised. When we, when we hear Abraham say, God will provide himself a lamb, we see him promised. And when there's even times that, that we may read where there's three Hebrew boys in a fiery furnace... And there's a fourth man in the fire, likened to the Son of God. Or there's a captain of the Lord's host and before Joshua. There are times in the scriptures, in the Old Testament specifically, that Jesus is present. Yes, sir. It may not have been his in flesh, but he was present in whatever form he may have chosen, whatever it may have been. It was in pre-incarnate presentation of Christ. Amen. It was Christ even then dwelling with his people. Yes. Paul said that that cloud, that presence that the Israelites followed around in the, in the wilderness was Christ. Paul said he was present with you even then. And that's what when we come to scriptures, all of the Bible is going to give us Christ in one of those ways. Whether it's David and Goliath or Jonah, whoever it may be. We're going to see Christ patterned, promised, or present. And that is our call when we come to Scriptures to read the Bible that way, to see Christ in those ways. But even going back almost a year ago at this point, in conversations with people, if someone comes to us and asks us about David and Goliath, it's our job to show Christ patterned, promised, or present to those people. We, we do a person a disservice by giving them an intellectual answer to a Bible question. Because that's not 
what the Bible is about. It's not about intellectual answers. It's about Christ. Amen. And if we can understand that, we can see Him, we can start to have Him come alive. And that's, I believe that's what those two people on the road to Emmaus meant, is that when Jesus was, He said, didn't our hearts burn within us? He may as well have said, didn't the Scriptures just come alive with understanding? Even, and I know I've made mention before, that even when Peter, when they said the deacons are going to wait on tables so we can give ourselves to prayer and the scriptures, they were looking for Christ. Every page of that Old Testament that they had, every, throughout all the prophets, they were there looking for Christ so that they could show people him. So that whenever they were going throughout their routine on their way to the temple, they might meet a man who asked them for something. And he says, you know what? I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I can give to you. And that's the call for us. We may, we may have times where we may not know the name of Boaz's brother. I don't have the name. Somebody asked me, somebody may ask me. It may even be a dumb question like, can God move a rock so, make a rock so big he can't move it? And at that point, we can turn to those people and say, I don't have the answer, but what I do have, I can give to you. And if what we're coming to the scriptures with is Christ, then we can give them Christ. And that, it, it takes the burden off of us, even there. It takes the burden off of us to even know all the facts about everything. But if we are so engulfed in the person of Christ in the scriptures, not only will we be able to give that to other people, but even the things we don't know are going to come easy to us because we're seeing the scriptures through the right perspective. We're seeing the scriptures as they are about a person. From Genesis all the way to Malachi, From Matthew all the way to Revelation, they're about him. And that's part of without 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 dwelling and getting all into some of the some of the last page. And I guess Reese would be a good example from I, I know I had mentioned this the other night where he saw that Samson died for his people. And he's like, well, Christ died for his people, too. Those are the things that we need to be seeing from Scripture. I, I may not know how many people Samson killed when he knocked down the building. I may not know how long he pushed that grindstone around. But I do know that he gave himself for his people. And I do know that there was one coming who wouldn't fall into sin, who was coming to give himself for his people and had the power to do it. He kept the law that Samson didn't keep. And that's what those, are, those patterns are pointing us to. Yes. Where Samson failed, Christ wouldn't. Where David failed, Christ didn't. Where Solomon had all the wisdom but failed in other areas, Christ had all the wisdom and didn't fail anywhere. Every narrative in Scripture, Hebrews calls a shadow You may not see exactly every single detail of the person of Christ, but you can sure enough see his shadow in the Bible. 
Wherever you look, you're going to see the shadow of what Hebrews calls the substance. So the Bible really does talk about Christ. There's another road where we see this same exact narrative played out. And that's in the book of Acts, chapter number 8. The Bible tells us that there was an evangelist named Philip. He was in a town. Lots of people were believing on Christ. And God told Philip, I want you to go out to the desert. In our day, we could think, well, Billy Graham may be in a stadium giving the gospel to thousands and thousands of people. And God comes to Billy Graham and says, you know what? I want you to go out into the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere. Nobody even knows you're there. That's in essence what God told Philip to do. He said, I want you to go out somewhere. Just go. Philip listened to him. Philip did what the Spirit had told him to do. And lo and behold, it wasn't an accident. There was a chariot came by. And there was a eunuch in the chariot reading Isaiah. And he, Philip didn't come up to him. He said Philip was, the eunuch was reading. Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? Philip didn't come to him and say, well, you know, Isaiah, let me explain every little detail about that. Let me make sure you've got all the knowledge that you need about Isaiah. said that he preached to him Christ. Philip did the same thing that Jesus had done to them. He had been patterned on how to look at Scripture. And what he did is he, he preached Christ from the Old Testament to that eunuch. And that eunuch, understanding some of the Jewish religion, some of what had started up as Christianity, he said, you know what? There's some water. Why can't I go ahead and get baptized? Philip said, if you believe, then let's do it. Because he had shown him Christ. Philip had done the same thing on a road back to Ethiopia that Christ had done on a road to Emmaus. He preached himself to Emmaus and he preached himself through Philip to a eunuch. And you know what that eunuch did? That eunuch left, went back to Ethiopia, and there are accounts of Christian churches in Ethiopia. I wonder how that happened. There were people in Ethiopia preaching Christ from the scriptures because Philip had shown the Ethiopian Christ from the scriptures. So the Ethiopian took Christ back to his people from the scriptures. And that's the same duplication that we can begin to see in our lives. I may not live to see all of it. My kids may not live to see all of it. But there's one who will see all of it because he's planned all of it. If we can get back to how God has purposed that we look at scriptures and back to how God has purposed that we proclaim scriptures, we will see God doing his work again. It's not God's fault. God hasn't stopped the gospel still successful as it's ever been. The problem is we've quit preaching it. We've quit proclaiming it. 
We've decided that instead of me living a Christian life and me proclaiming Christ to people, if I can somehow convince them just to come to church and hope the preacher maybe preaches some semblance of salvation that day. Because not only am I not preaching Christ to him, I don't even know that my preacher is going to preach Christ to him because my preacher's not taught me to cre- pe- preach Christ to people. That's what has happened over the past hundred years in our churches. We've quit preaching Christ. We've quit seeing Christ. We've done away with Christ in the scriptures and we're looking for facts. Well, when is the rapture going to happen? What date will it be? What does this olive mean over here? What is all these things that don't matter? All these things that in the scheme of eternity are meaningless because they're intellectual. Not that intellectual things are bad. I'm not by any means am I saying that. But when we major on that and we forget about Christ, we've missed the point of God. Paul said that God had chosen the foolishness of preaching, of proclaiming the Word of God, of giving the Word to people, of giving Christ to people. He, and that's what we saw in Isaiah, he said that Christ was a rock of stumbling to some people, but to other people, he was the cornerstone. Yes, sir. If we can see Christ in the scriptures, we can show people the cornerstone and let's and it not be something that they stumble over with facts about the Bible. And again, I'm, I think everybody understands. I'm not down in understanding trivia from the Bible. I'm not saying that when we sit down and have some kind of Bible trivia game with the with the family, that's a bad thing. But if we take trivia into the world, it's going to be meaningless to them. We're to take Christ. So we know that if we can see that the Jesus journeys through the scriptures telling them about himself, that the whole Bible is either going to show us Christ patterned, promised, or present. We see that Philip on the road to, on the road to Ethiopia showed an Ethiopian eunuch Christ. And what we have, again, is the entire map of Scripture. We have the whole geography. What these men had when they had the Old Testament, they had part of the geography of Scripture. Paul said that God had revealed a mystery unto him. There were things that God was revealing to Paul and to Peter and to the apostles that the Old Testament prophets didn't know about. The author of Hebrews, again, said that God had in these days revealed his Son. We have the New Testament clearing up who Christ is and what that means to us. We have the whole geography of Scripture. But we're still called to show people the same paths that Peter showed people. In Acts, when he preached that sermon where they had 5,000 people believe on Christ. If you read that sermon... Peter was walking through the scriptures saying this is being fulfilled by Christ. This was being fulfilled by Christ. You had Peter doing that on the day of Pentecost. A couple of pages over, Philip was a deacon. He was an evangelist, but he was a deacon. There's another deacon you read about, Stephen. You know why they stoned him? Because he was preaching Christ from the scriptures. What worked in the book of Acts will work today. What worked for Peter will work today. 
Because it's what God has set in place. He said that the book is about him. We just have to get that in our thick skulls that it's about him. We can follow these same paths that Jesus gave to his disciples because we are his disciples. We are his followers. And how are we going to learn of somebody that we're not following? The, specifically, when, when, when the New Testament, whenever somebody would call someone a rabbi, that word carried along with it an idea that they would be following so closely to that person that they would have the dust from their feet on them. So it'd be like if I was following somebody down a dust, if I'm following another car down a dusty road, at the end of that road, my car is covered in dust because I'm following a car who's stirring up the dust. That's what we're called to do with Christ. We're called to follow Christ through the scriptures so that whenever we come out of the scriptures, we are so covered in what Christ has said that everybody knows we've been following somebody through the scriptures. That's what Peter did. That's what Philip did. Because that's what Jesus taught them to do. It's what Stephen did. It's what Paul did. It's what Timothy did. It's what Polycarp did. All throughout even church history, we see the same things. But in America, for some reason, we lost it. We gave it up. But the call of Christ is to pick that up again. To follow Jesus throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament. To explain to them the same thing that he explained to us. There's a couple things that I'm going to cover real quick and then we'll, we'll be wrapped up. But the Old Testament, it shows us books. Whether it's, whether it's, it's the, lit, the literature of Scripture that we sometimes have trouble following. Or it's the Psalms that may be easier to see. Again, we're looking for, for that, for lack of a better term, we're looking for, for the plot line. We're looking for the, the thing. And, and, any, and, that's, and I know this is, this is probably going to, I'm, I'm going to have to hurry up through this because I can get off a little bit off track. I hate movies and TV shows that don't follow a theme. I hate them with a passion. I'll get mad watching a movie that doesn't have a theme. Can't stand it. But some of the best movies that any of you, anybody in here can think about, some of the best television shows, they follow a theme. And that's what the scriptures do. Again, it, Samson was about a man, but there's a theme there. There's a theme all throughout these people in the Old Testament. There's a theme throughout the New Testament. We've seen that in Romans and in Ephesians specifically. We've seen the theme is this is what Christ has done. This is who you are. This is how you live. We saw in Ruth, there was a theme in Ruth. There was a multi-tiered thing. God was bringing people to himself. God was producing a promise of the seed through these people that he's bringing to himself. He's allowing things to happen and things to take place so that his plan is done. But the overarching thing that we can see throughout the whole, there was those tiny things that came off of that. But the thing that we saw was a picture of Christ redeeming 
a Gentile woman to himself. That's what we saw in the book of Ruth. So when we come to any story in Scripture, New Testament or Old Testament, we're looking for the person of Christ. The significance of what Peter preached in Acts chapter number 1 and the reason that the Spirit was poured out to those people, the reason that those, all those people came to Christ was because Peter walked through the Scriptures and showed them Christ. Peter didn't tell them a story about somebody dying in a chariot accident. Peter didn't sit there and say, you know, I knew about this kid that his mom and dad told him that he better listen. And he didn't listen. He got bit by a snake. And if you don't listen to what I'm saying, you might get bit by a snake. And what's going to happen if you get bit by a snake? And while there is an urgency to our message, Peter didn't take that and try and work something up. He just told them about Christ and what he had done for them. He did the same thing that Jesus did to Nicodemus. Look at what has happened and you can live. And that's the reason that you had the outpouring of belief is because it was the right person preaching about the right person. And that's what we've got to do when we come to scriptures. So specifically, and we'll we'll wrap things up. Specifically, the homework, quote unquote homework section. And Charles and Miss Amy and Miss Joy are going to be in a horrible state of not knowing what they're doing. (laughs) But we have, there you go. (laughs) We have five, specifically five different areas where 